Hello, it's Robert Bathurst here. I was one of the first guests on My Time Capsule, and Mike has asked me to tell you that you can now listen to the podcast ad-free by subscribing to Acast Plus. Details of how to join are in the description of each episode. Mike says it's very reasonably priced. In fact, Mike says it's a bargain. And who am I to disagree? Locked here in his cellar. Anyway, for a small subscription, Acast Plus, My Time Capsule, ad-free. Free. Unlike me. Here's a cool fact. A crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Another cool fact? You can get short-term health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans are designed for people who are between jobs, coming off their parents' plan, or turning a side hustle into a full-time gig. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. Get more cool facts about United Healthcare short-term plans at uh1.com. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Hello again, and welcome to My Time Capsule. I'm Mike Fenton-Stevens, and in this podcast, I ask my guests to reveal the five things from their life that they cherish so much they would like to preserve them in a time capsule. They pick four things they love and are keen to keep safe, but one thing that they rather regret and would like to bury in the ground and never have to think about again. My guest in this episode is the actress Josie Lawrence, who has proven since her early days in improvisation on Whose Line Is It Anyway to be one of this country's finest actors. She's been on our TV screens regularly since the early 1980s, in such shows as Outside Edge and Downwardly Mobile, right through to the present day, with Terry Pratchett and Neil Gaiman's Good Omens, Stella, The Kennedys, Absolutely Fabulous, Fat Friends, The Old Curiosity Shop, Humans, the films Round Island with a Fridge, Enchanted April, Married to Malcolm and others, and the BBC panel show Would I Lie to You? And on radio, she starred in The Masterson Inheritance, The Lawrence Sweeney Mix, Thanks a Lot Milton Jones, and of course, Just a Minute. But it's on stage that Josie has really shown her skills. She's been a regular member of the improv group The Comedy Store Players since 1985, the Guinness World Record holders for the longest-running comedy group. But she's also played Kate in the RSC's production of The Taming of the Shrew, for which she won the Dame Peggy Ashcroft Award for Best Actress, Toinette in Love Lies Bleeding, and the title role in Mother Courage, Helen of Troy in Faust, Dunyasha in The Cherry Orchard, and at the National she was in Frozen, Picasso's Women, and The Alchemist. 
And she's also played the part of Benedict in an all-female production of Much Ado About Nothing at the Globe, having previously played Beatrice in the same play at the Manchester Royal Exchange. So she sort of went out with herself, really. Her West End debut was in The King and I, and she was in Acorn Antiques, the musical, with Victoria Wood and Judy Waters. Most recently, she was in Oklahoma and Jonathan Harvey's new play, Our Lady of Blundelsands, which was unfortunately put on hold due to, well, due to you-know-what, but which will be back in September. Hooray! This recording was made during one of the very small periods over the last year when two people could actually sit in the same room. Imagine that. Well, I say two people. Two people and a cat. Eric who clearly wanted to be part of the recording. So anyway, here is the marvellous Josie Lawrence and Eric and the things that Josie wants to put in her time capsule to remind us all of just how nice the company of people is. One of the things I'd like to put into the time capsule, Michael, is really not far from you at the moment. Oh, right, yeah. Yeah, and she's tall and beautiful. She's wearing a dress. <laughs> so have a look round and see if you can see who I mean. Is it the thing over your shoulder of the Virgin Mary? It's not the Virgin Mary, oh. although I do love my Virgin Mary. Now, before we go on to what I'll put in my time yeah. capsule, I'm sorry, Mary, you would go in normally because, you know, there's another one over there. I love my Virgin Marys. Um I did a show years ago called Outside Edge. Can you yeah, remember it? I do Tim remember Spall it. and Brenda Blethyn. Yeah. And me and Tim Spall were Maggie and Kevin, and we were kind of bohemian types. And they had this wonderful sort of muse cottage place in Nottingham that was meant to be our house, the location mm. for our house. And we had this sort of bedroom that was full of objet d'art and and Turkish carpets and throws and, you know, glitter ball. You know, it was all what like Maggie would really be into. <laughs> and at the bottom of the bed on one of the sideboards was this Virgin Mary. And if I could describe it to the, to the listeners, mm. she's about three foot tall, would you say? Yeah, it's a big and one. Very beautiful. She's fiberglass, she's backless and full of tubes and little holes here and there and in her eyes. And apparently she was used in a sitcom um, where they thought that she was crying tears and it was a miracle and actually there'd just been a crack in her and she'd been put too near a rusty drain pipe. So, and I loved this. We, we did three series of Outside Edge and it was one of the happiest things I've ever been part of. And got on well with everybody and all the crew and that. And uh, they, they put it in the boot of my car at the very end and she came home with me. So uh-huh. I've had her now... Oh, that was 95, I think, or 96. So I've um, I've had her there. So actually, that was, um, I segued. I'm so worried about Eric uh, not, chewing on your wires. Eric's not going to let you. Eric, well, he, Eric, please, I beg you. Please, for goodness sake, Eric. It's not a way to go. It, it, he's doing it because he knows that it's riling me. <laughs> anyway... It was a great cast, though, wasn't it? Ah, oh, Brenda, Robert Dawes. Yeah. Um, and and uh, lovely Tim Spall. God, I, I used to laugh until I thought I was going to, you know, when you when there's a pain, you're laughing that much. Mm. It was a great show. I loved it. And I loved I loved the character, this sort of free spirit, which was a lovely, lovely, bold character. Yeah. 
But no, have another look round. So she's tall, she's wearing a dress. Okay. Oh, word. <laughs> I hadn't seen her in the corner. I don't know why I haven't seen her. She's enormous. <laughs> so it's, um, it's a shop window mannequin, I think from the 60s or 50s. She's got, instead of feet feet, she's got those flesh-coloured sort of shoes with yes. heels on. A bit of a tatty hand, and she's lost the other hand after a particularly raucous party many years ago uh, for some reason the hand disappeared which is why she's got her arm kind of behind her back and she's wearing for the listeners she's wearing like a 1940s type scarf on her head like land army girl look Mm -hmm. very glamorous pink lips and eyeshadow then she's wearing a mexican very bright apron full of pictures of mexican ladies in colorful flowers in the hair and all that yeah and then she's wearing a dress. 1940s style? Or? 1940s style. So it looks 1940s, green and white dress, but it's actually from a shop that was on St. Martin's Lane and in the 90s, Droopy and Browns. Mm, I remember it. Uh, I got a lot of stuff from there in the 80s and 90s. Yeah, I and think I got a lot of patterned shirts. Yes, yeah, Droopy and Browns, they did good, mm. good stuff. And she's, that sound, everybody, is Eric now scratching on his Eric really wants to be in this podcast. He so does. Anyway, that uh, creature there, that beautiful creature, she's called Mandy. And that is short for Mandy Rice Davis. Because when I trained at Dartington College of Arts, we had to do a final director's piece. And there was a guy who... um, who is a director now, uh, called Julian Weber, that was on my course. Mm. And he'd got this old worn copy of Mandy Rice Davis's autobiography. And uh, he said, I'm going to do about the Christine Keeler, Mandy Rice Davis story. He said, but I'm going to do it on the stage of the Barn Theatre at Dartington. It's going to be like a promenade piece. And the poster for it was a picture of, there's a very famous picture of Mandy Rice Davis walking into the court with her head held high. Very proud. And um, Mm. there's that picture there on the poster and it just said, have you been invited yet? Which I thought was an amazing bit of publicity for a play because instead of people saying, have you got tickets for that show? People were saying, what's this party? Have you got an invite? (laughs) You know, and... And and I had a blonde wig and, you know, and and we we did basically the Mandy's little story. Even you smell vision, like when we were like in the espresso coffee bar, there'd be people off either side of the um, stage frying egg and sausages and making coffee. And then when we were in the nightclub, people were putting perfume and aftershave and hairspray and you'd walk into that. People were being served drinks all night, and it was a musical, you know. It, uh, you know, like the the actual profumo affair was done as a kind of like musical in the cabaret, you know. Yeah. He wants to know about the bomb, 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 you know. Um, <laughs> notoriety in society, pulling a viscount with all due propriety. Give me my chance. That's what I would be doing. <laughs> you know, I didn't. Yeah. God, I was 18 when I... But anyway, but in between acting, I became a member of a, a, a harmony group called Denise Black and the Cray Sisters with wonderful Denise Black mm-hmm. and her, her husband at the time, Paul Sand, who wrote the songs, and Kate McKenzie. And we did very complex 
songs about everything, really, about the Berlin Wall coming down, about um, a woman who spends her day with a series of sex toys just to pleasure herself, which is <laughs> bored, and every kind of song you can imagine. And uh, it got to the point where we won the Best Cabaret Act of 1985 in what? City Limits, but it was meant to be something we really enjoyed doing, and we did Jonglers and all those places. Mm. It was, me- And that's how, by the way, I was introduced to the comedy circuit. People think because of Whose Line Is It Anyway and the Comedy Store Impro that I did stand-up and stuff, there, yeah. but it wasn't. It was as a music act that I met everybody. That's, mm. But it became too much. Um, to do both. To do both. And so, sadly, although we did it, you know, no animosity, it was, it was a lovely split. We, we weren't Craze Sisters anymore, Kate and I, but we still wanted to do a little something that wasn't quite as well-known. So there was this French guy called Philippe Boyer, young French guy, who looked very French too, you know, short dark hair, like sort of Jacques Tati Tati. <laughs> um, very a handsome young French guy. And he played the um, accordion. And so we decided to become the KJB, which is Kate, Josie and Boyer. And we would do things like we would listen to a Fellini film theme and we would harmonise that uh, with the accordion. We did a load of Doors songs like Touch Me Babe with what? two voices in the accordion. We did all of Shanghai Lil, um, <laughs> uh, the Jimmy Stewart uh, thing. We yeah. played all the parts in that. And we really enjoyed doing it. And we used to wear, instead of little dresses like we wore in, in Cray Sisters, we'd wear trousers, little velvet hats, little black top and trench coats. So we looked pretty cool. So we mm. thought Boy had been like a black polo neck, you know. He was so cool anyway. He used to drive around in a cab, uh, you know. I mean, he lives over in France now in a big castle thing he renovated. <laughs> but, um, um, but you've always been bold. That's the thing. No, I've like, never been bold. Yeah, it's funny you should say that because that's that's the opposite of what everybody thinks about you. Oh, well, I'm really not bold. I've got more to say about being bold later because of another object I'm talking about. Okay. But I suppose it's because I improvise that's considered to be a very bold move. I, I can get so nervous. And for some reason, the older I get, the more anxious I get about performing. And I don't know where that's come from. Um, experience maybe experience. <laughs> but my dad always reminded me to try and get my equity card I, after I'd left college I sang in the working men's clubs because I knew about the clubs you know my sister and, and went to working men's clubs lovely friendly places on a Friday and Saturday night and the bingo and that mm. and my dad remembers me getting a really bad cold and mum going to the chemist and getting me something to try and dry it out because I had one of these um talent mornings on a Sunday when you go and sing some songs because I learned that if I got a series of bookings I could get my card that way yeah and uh, I remember sitting with mum and dad in this club on a Sunday morning just dripping like tissue stuck up the nostril <laughs> dripping and this other girl was on I had a proper manager with her and one of those dresses with a slit right up and that thing away and dad said how you think you're gonna do wind and I went Pulled my tissue out my nose, apparently went, no problem, Dad. <laughs> it just got up there and, ah, you know. <laughs> but the, the one thing that just seems to be in me, and I can't explain it, we did, well, it's two years ago now, it feels like last year, we did, um, you know, I, I perform at the, with the comedy store plays every mm, summer and when for, I can, forever. since 85. Yeah. But also we've started to do live versions of Whose Line Is It Anyway? 
We've done the Palladium for a week, the Old Witch Theatre, and we then did three sellout shows at the Royal Albert Hall, wow. which was like being a pop star. Yeah. It was just the the reaction was amazing. There was me and Clive and the American musicians and um and I remember looking out in a little chink at the Royal Albert Hall, like six thousand people thinking, I I don't know what I'm going to be doing when I get on that stage. And it didn't. I mean, the adrenaline perked me up, yeah. but, but I wasn't like, <gasps> you Am know. Am I mad? But, but um, And yes. I have done, occasionally done, improv. Have you ever done it with the players? I have, yeah. Not with you, though, sadly. Not with me. No. Almost certainly, because you were there. Of course, we did a lot of... Um, the, we, we, our paths crossed a lot, a didn't lot. in the 80s? And then a we lot. did that scene in bed together. Yes. <laughs> well, I was, in, I was in your television series. Yeah, Jersey. that's it. That's, I that's what I mean. Yeah. And then we did really, that thing on Channel 4, Channel 4. Comedy Wavelength or something. Comedy Wavelength. That was before. That was before. before that was wasn't extraordinary, it? wasn't it? Comedy Wavelength. Yes. Was. I remember a sketch from that, in fact. The two of us sitting there... You filling in um, a crossword, a crossword, and the, uh, the answer uh, to every question was fart. Fart, because there was one frat, perhaps was one of the things, <laughs> and I think it was written by Badil. Was it? Yes, I think it was. I think it was. Yes, that was um, living on the hoof, wasn't it? Yeah. Was, we had to provide our own costumes, the <laughs> no set. That was the show that um, in, sort of introduced Paul because he was the warm-up guy and he was so good that they had him on properly. Yeah, at that time, uh, every time he said his name was Paul Merton, people <laughs> laughed because they'd seen him on the circuit as... Uh, Paul Martin. Paul Martin. Yeah. A long but, time ago, Josie, but, but there we are. So, uh, so yeah, come on. So you've yes, got the, lovely Mandy. So we've got lovely Mandy. Uh, KJB, you're talking about bold. KJB once, the Cray Sisters always went down so well at the Tunnel Club, you know, just to the other side of the Blackwall Tunnel. Yeah. Malcolm Hardy and Arthur Smith used to host, brilliant. Now, they loved the Cray Sisters there. So we had a bit of a false sense of security when the KJB went there because, of course, we got up. <laughs> We're completely different from the Cray Sisters. We got up there... Cocky as can be, started singing our little songs. And they kept going, woof, 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 woof. Oh, and, God. And then Kate, whenever Kate uh, introduced one of the songs, because she was really posh when she spoke, some people kept going, wah, 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 wah. <laughs> and then we were starting to do Shanghai Lil, they all started going, oh, oh. And, and we just went off, said thank you and went off. <laughs> Ronnie Golden was at the bar and it was like a film, you know, in the saloons when you walk into the bar and somebody just immediately looks at you and then pours you a whiskey because yeah. they look like you need... That's what he did. <laughs> we just went to the bar. And, and then Malcolm the bugger, God rest his wonderful soul, uh, he said, shall we have them back? <laughs> it was proper cat and mouse. Shall we have them back? Oh, and me and Kate were thinking, no, please don't let us go up there again. And like, know. Boyer was going, what is happening? We have never had this before. Oh. Why don't they like us? <laughs> and, and, and then we used to end with a, a country and western song called Burn Your Playhouse Down. And uh, <laughs> we got up and sang it. And my friend Kate, as you know, Kate McKenzie, we all have a beautiful mate. She... She was and still is exquisitely beautiful. She would turn heads in any room. And it's the only time I've ever seen Kate look a bit crap. <laughs> <laughs> she 
He was bright red and sweating, couldn't wait to get up there. And we were saying, I've got an ache in my heart, arson in my mind, I'm going to burn your playhouse down. Thank you, good night, ladies and gentlemen. Run into the toilet. Run. Thank God he had a taxi. This is going so around the reeking, but uh, Philip and his wife at the time had a, a flat in the East End and it was full of mannequins. So I said to him, where'd you get your mannequins from? He said, oh, they throw them out all the time. You can get them in skips, you know. I said, oh, I quite fancy one. And then cue, like a few months later, I lived in a little flat about five o'clock in the morning. Josie, Josie, are you up? And I, I got up and said, is that you, Philip? Yes, I said, is everything all right? He said, I have something for you. And the door opened and there was... Philippe holding a naked woman in his arms. <laughs> and he said, again. I will put it on the sofa. And, uh, and I went back to bed. And when I got up in the morning, I'd kind of forgotten about what had happened. And there was Mandy lying naked on my, on my couch. And for years, she stood behind a white leatherette cocktail bar. <laughs> uh, and uh, I cannot throw her out. I can't get rid of her. You know, she, no. she'll always be with me. You know, she'll always be with me. Not just a time capsule. She might well be buried with you. Oh, God, that would be so weird. <laughs> no, that Jesse Lawrence. Now, they say it's an urban myth, but it's true. Jesse Lawrence was buried with a mannequin. A naked mannequin. A naked mannequin. <laughs> a naked mannequin. <laughs> a naked mannequin. We, naked. Knew, we knew she was trying to. Tony had wood hand. <laughs> <laughs> oh, no, there's, oh, there's wonderful. Mandy. Did I work that um, photograph of uh, Mandy Rath Stavis, I think? My father was right behind her. No. Yeah, isn't that weird? How extraordinary. Was he a... a he represented Christine Keeler. I did not know that. No. I did not know that. I, did, I know, it's amazing, isn't it? Yeah, it was a solicitor. Wow. He, he represented Christine Keeler in that trial. And almost every photograph of them going in and out of court, getting into taxis from the court, there's my little dad looking very serious. And he wasn't at all serious, my dad. Uh, I bet he was loving it. Gosh, how about that? I didn't know that. <laughs> there we are. There yeah. we are. Well, how about that, well, Michael? Isn't that funny, isn't it? I know. The things you don't know about people, see? Exactly. Exactly. Mandy, she's gorgeous. That would cheer me up every day during lockdown, I think. Coming into the kitchen and finding <laughs> man sitting there. Well, she goes into the time capsule. So oh, that's thank lovely. you. So that's number one. Number one. Excellent. Are we going to go round the room? No, because the next thing is upstairs. I'll go and get it. All right, then. I'll leave you with Eric. Eric's, please. <laughs> it's funny, I, I, feel, I feel trepidatious even walking with this thing. <laughs> even walking oh, about with it. It's really precious. Very precious. It's one of, the, one of the things I'd save, actually. If... Oh, look, bless. He's... People used to think, oh, is he a cow? He's not, he's a dog. That's clearly he's a dog. Clearly a dog. Um, and that's a dog expression as well. Yes. It's a tiny, tiny, tiny thing. Little I mean, sort it, of it fits into dog. the palm of your hand, doesn't it? Yeah, he's white with big, big eyes made of a kind of plaster resin. Now, the reason he's precious is because, and I don't know the full story, because mum sometimes and dad could remember half of things and <laughs> ask them things, but... When mum and dad got married and went on honeymoon. Now, this is where it gets dicey. I forget, because I, I think it was Blackpool they went to. And our dad won this little fella in the fairground on their honeymoon. <laughs> and so mum always had it, along with other knickknacks, not too many, carefully placed 
knickknacks on her dressing room table. And so dad died first. And then when mum died, we had to pack the house up. And um, there were beautiful trinkets on this dressing table. There was this little doggy which is obviously a great memory for them because it was a honeymoon. Mm. And they loved each other so much until until the end. You mm. know. I was very lucky that way. There was also um, a pin cushion, one of these pin cushions where the pin cushion itself looks like a little sort of poof. And sitting on top of it is a ceramic little flapper girl with her legs crossed. <laughs> yeah. And my sister had that. And then there was the normal uh, pink glass little dressing table candles with a with a pink glass tray and the jewellery box to match and then the brushes that yeah. had the beautifully embossed embroidered background. Mum's dressing table for me as a child was was magical. So I wanted to take this and I didn't realise I don't really know how to put it in words. I didn't realise how special um something so tiny and so cheap really mm. can be and it's one of these pieces it's on my mantelpiece but whenever like either people are staying at the house not that I don't trust them but if I'm not here or if there's a party this and just a couple of other things all connected with my parents funnily enough go up into a locked room because mm. the idea of, of losing them is terrible but what's lovely about this it's not just the little doggy and the fact that it was such a lovely day out when the dog came back to live with them (laughs) and probably a lovely night as well since it was a honeymoon but it's the memory of mum and dad's bedroom because it was such a special place it was where I was because I shared a bed with my sister who was 10 years older than me my brother had the box room me and my sister had a double bed so whenever I was poorly or something like I'd be put into mum and dad's bed during the, the day you know and mum said, and even then we knew you were going to be an actress. Because you were, whenever you got ill, you were so dramatic. I had measles apparently once and I asked mum, I was about eight or something, can I, uh, can I see my face in the mirror? <laughs> and so mum got a little mirror off the dressing table and, oh my, oh, what am I going to do, mother? <laughs> <laughs> am I going to die? proper dramatic (laughs) but there was a lovely perfumey smell to the room and it's it's you went in there by appointment only of obviously but because it was not a huge house we christmases and easter mum would always put her head around the door and go he's been (laughs) and I'd be knocking on John's door saying, get up, John, get up, come on, because he'd always be the last. And then all our presents would be in mum and dad's room. And the little presents would be, she would have cleared her dressing table stuff off and our little presents would all be placed on her dressing table. Little dolls and oranges and sweets. And then at Easter, she would take this little doggy and a thing off and I suppose put them under the bed or something and put all our Easter eggs on the dressing table. So this, for me, it's not a huge anecdote story. No, no. But it's uh, it's got to go in the time capsule. Absolutely, yeah. Those memories are incredibly precious, aren't they? I Absolutely. mean, I know exactly what you're talking about. I know I picture my mum. I think of it as her room, yes. my mum's bedroom, because of, the again, that dressing table with those... Strange on. glass yeah. things, not cut glass, but no. sort of moulded glass. Moulded glass, yeah, but you're getting and pinks and greens and, and the brushes with the 
white sort of uh, bristles. Yeah. When my mother died, I went back to her house immediately afterwards just to check things. And I went into her bedroom and on her bed, now this was in November, the beginning of November she died, and on her bed were three Christmas jumpers for myself and my two brothers that she laid out that morning on her bed. Oh, wow. Isn't that weird? Do you think she'd laid them out to wrap them up? Or she'd left them there for you? I've no idea. I mean, to walk in the room and see it, it felt very much as if she'd gone, I know I'm going to die today, and I want to make sure that you see these things. Oh, wow. Wow. It's short, isn't it? But didn't you feel, even after Mum had, had, had gone in that, had, the walking into the bedroom, it was like something I shouldn't really be doing. You yeah. know, there's so much their place. Yeah, absolutely. That's very strange doll there uh, next to you, which I call Chuchi Face. I went through a period when I was young when I used to collect little dolls like that, and I remember marching downstairs with them all in a, a bag and saying to Mum and Dad, I'm, I'm getting older now, I'm a woman now, I don't want them, chuck them. And they said, we'll chuck them. And in the little cubby hole, which was next to Mum's bed, right at the back was all the dolls and Chuchy Face. And I always regretted throwing Chuchy Face away. And so when I found her, when I was doing Mum's house out with my sister and brother, it was really special. Also in the house was a load of um, very clean, for some reason, bottles. Dad, Dad started when he retired to... He got ill very soon after he retired, which is a shame because he mm. worked and worked and worked all his life. But he, he brewed stout and lager, really nice, we'd have it at Christmas. And we found one bottle after Mum had died. Right, I'm going to have to put him out because he's going to either electrocute myself himself or ruin your wiring. <laughs> I don't think he can bite through it, Judge. I know what you say. Oh, so... Eric, go outside. Oh, you little shit. Eric. <laughs> He's a little he shit. To. He just wants to. He really bite your wire. <laughs> he just wants He's to. He's hiding behind his little thing as if you can't see him. He's a little bastard. Right. Uh, I don't know what I was talking about. Here we go. So you were talking about your dad becoming yeah. ill very quickly after. Yeah. Um... And he brewed the beer. He brewed the lot. And and when we were clearing mum's, because he died in 99, mum died a decade after that. Mm. And uh, we found uh, there was this one bottle at the back that still had stout in it. And uh, we said, on the day that we all come to leave the house, now it's sold and it's empty, Mm. we'll stand in dad's garden that he loved and we'll, we'll say bye-bye to it and so the nieces and nephews came and my sister and brother and we stood in a little circle and not in a hippy drippy way you know not like that but we just said thank you thank you to mum and dad for being a brilliant mum and dad thank you to the house because it'd been there all my life you know mm. and uh then we were going to open the stout this was my idea <laughs> being the dramatic one and pour it onto the Garden. So, yeah. And then we were all going to do, go down the entry together. It had an entry in a shared yard in there. And uh, John opened the bottle and he went, like that. And he, and he smelt it. He said, well, it still smells all right <laughs> after all these years. And we all had a little swig of it before we said <laughs> bye-bye. So it, it, it was a, a beautiful thing. And that's what this little dog conjures up, really. Beautiful. Just um, 
Yeah, all right, well, we put the dog into the oh, podcast. thank you. Along with Mandy. She can guard it. <laughs> <laughs> Fantastic. So that's yeah. two things. What's next? We're going to take a short break from my chat with Josie Lawrence for some ads, but we'll be back in a flash. Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. How to get 30, 30, how to get 30, how to get 20, 20, 20, how to get 20, 20, how to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month? So Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Welcome back. Okay, let's find out what the third thing is that Josie Lawrence wants to put in her time capsule. Uh, now, I don't know if this is cheating. Mm-hmm. Because it's a, it's, it's a collection of things. One would be a bottle of champagne and a bottle of tequila, so you can make a tequila slammer. <laughs> One would be uh, this... Where is it? That glass. And the other thing would be... This echo mic... <laughs> I've got two of them now because mum and dad had one as well they, they bought me this one and we used to talk to each other over the phone like this <laughs> as if we were all, bumped, all in a sort of submarine or something <laughs> and we used to sing all happy birthdays and that. but anyway when I was I think it was my 35th I'm not sure but I have these amazing mates and we call ourselves, which a lot of women's organisations do, we would call it as a joke, the sisterhood. But we didn't then. We were just a bunch of mates. And mum and dad had bought me this echo mic. And <laughs> uh, somebody had bought me that glass that had been a candle full of candles. Yeah. Stuff the, the year before. And now it was a glass. And somebody bought me tequila. And they said, have you ever had tequila slammers? And I went, no. He said, you must only have one, two at the most. But it basically tequila, a little bit of tequila and a little bit of champagne. Then you put your hand over the glass. You slam it onto the table yeah. or the chopping board or whatever. It fizzes up. And as it's fizzing, you drink it. <laughs> I wish I had one for you to try, but oh, you're driving yeah. home. Yeah. And, you know, swing, your migraines have gone in the door. <laughs> but... Um, <laughs> But we only had this one glass that you could put your hand over and slam. All the others were too delicate. So um, 
I was at the top of the table and I kept going, Amanda, pass the glass of sisterhood. <laughs> and then we'd be passing it and, and, and she'd slam and we'd be going, slam it, slam it, slam it. All right, then, Jenny, pass the glass of sisterhood. <laughs> and we'd all have a, a tequila slam thing. And then the next year, it became more of an altar. So I was the high priestess and there was the altar with the champagne and the tequila and the echo mic and the glass all set up. We'd have our meal, usually be on people's birthdays. We'd have our meal, we'd laugh, we'd joke, we'd catch up. And then I'd say, right, it's time for the sisterhood. <laughs> and and we used to play Bette Midler's But You've Got to Have Friends at the end. And a, a lovely thing called sunscreen, about wearing sunscreen. We used to play those two uplifting things. Mm. But it was quite uncanny what happened and what still happens. Because as a joke, I said, right, we're going to take it in turns to come and slam the glass of sisterhood and to talk about our year. Because, you know what we want or what we're thinking. And uh, they'll go, oh, no, I can't do that. No, 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 no. And then they'd have to hold the echo mic, you know, <laughs> sort of like, and they'd say, uh, they would say the most amazing things. And what became, ha, 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 would suddenly get very quiet. Mm. And we'd really listen to each other's dreams and hopes and wishes. And then after somebody had said, and those are my wishes for the year, I'd say, Sadie, slam that glass. And we'd all go, slam it, slam it, slam it. Because <laughs> they were slamming it, you know what I mean? Yeah. And um, all around the world, I, I remember doing it for all my, the cast that were in um, The King and I. They all did it one Christmas. When I went to Cuba, they were going to like ranchos that sort of guided us round. And it was my birthday on, on top of these Magotti Mountains. And these big butch blokes, you know, all all went up and said, well, I would like to say for my family, I would like this, I would oh, like that. And, and you can see the, the nature just with that glass and, and this echo mic, you can see how rituals are created yeah. and, and how they begin to mean something for you. And, and during this pandemic, you know, when I phoned up my friends, we keep saying what's keeping us sort of, Something to look forward to, which you have, is the fact that we are going to have the most almighty sisterhood party when we, when we can, mm. you know. So that has got to be in my. It's basically party night, but but don't overdo it on tequila slams. <laughs> I don't. Have you? Have, you've never tried I've one. Never tried one. I've got to definitely try one. Because you know people do the the sort of um, what is oh. it, lemon and salt. But yeah. no, t- try one. But it's got to be a chunky glass like that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. At about the break. same portion of. I normally put a bit more champagne, but you don't fill it to the top. So like half an inch to an inch and then slam. And, it, and as it's fizzing, that's what you have to do as yeah, it's yeah, fizzing. Yeah. But you, it, it, I just thought, well, is that how, is that how rituals begin? You mm. know, things that are done year after year. And it probably, probably is. But it certainly should be, shouldn't it? Often when people get together, they don't get the chance to say the things that they really mean. And no. you realise quite often afterwards that I wish I'd said that. Wish I I'd wish I'd that. stood up and said that. Why didn't I just stand up and make a speech? Because I yes. really wanted to say how much I loved them yeah. or how wonderful it had been. And people don't. So formalising it, saying, OK, we're yeah. going to do it. You can say anything you, anything you want. And I mean, some people would, you know, at first, would say, oh, I don't want to. No, no, I don't want to. And then they'd get up and, and actually be the most heartrending, really, mm-hmm. the, you know. 
And as the years went on, you know, it became a thing where after we'd eat, I'd just set it up and we'd know that that was going to happen. You know? Brilliant, yeah. So we will definitely put in to the time capsule um, the Echo Mic, which is a fantastic thing. I've never seen one before. I don't know where it's from, but it's obviously not this country because they've translated the plays with it in the following ways. <laughs> it the... does not use battery. It is operated with Echo. We can play with its Echo. <laughs> I, I wonder, I've never tried this. I wonder if this one has a different Echo. Should okay. I see Testing, testing, echo mic. Testing. Oh, this has got more bounce Ooh, to it. Testing. This is much. Wah, 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 wah. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. This is the special one. <laughs> keep oh, it in his box. Yeah, it's precious. keep that in his box. Yeah. Okay, then. So we will definitely put in um, the echo mic. Yeah. We'll put in a bottle of champagne, a bottle of tequila, and your lovely slamming glass. The slamming glass. Thank there you, Michael. Go. I know. I'm going to come round. We're going to have a party. <laughs> <laughs> so what's, um, what's your fourth item? We've got one more that you cherish and one... <clears throat> that you'd be glad to see yeah, back off. Yeah, it's, it's, it's quite difficult, isn't it? Because I, I look around this house. This house is full of bits and bobs, as you can see, especially upstairs and stuff. They're all kind of knickknacks and that, but they all they all mean something. Although I did this strange stuff during lockdown. Did you drool over the walls? I drool over the walls because that wall there, for years and years, has had two cracks either side of it where the chimney breast was. Yeah, And every time I looked at that wall, all I saw were these two cracks. And one day I was cleaning out my drawers, as I think loads of people started to do in lockdown. And I found a green wax crayon. So I just went up the crack <laughs> and then veered off it and did leaves and then added. And then I thought, well, I better do that wall now. And I, I rather like it. Yeah. There will be a time when it, it goes, but... Uh, <laughs> For now, I it's not easy it. to paint over wax. Yes, it is. I've already discovered that. If you get a bit of um, jiff or whatever on a sponge, it comes off. Oh, well, there'll be other. Yeah, yeah. All yeah. right, you're ahead of the game. Uh, but I, 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 I like it. So it's difficult to pick something. Yeah. Because lots of things, nearly everything, the silliest thing in this house has a meaning for me, which is great, I suppose. Mm. <clears throat> this is. Uh, this is the coat. Oh, sorry. Uh, oh, dear. Oh, dear. <laughs> Hi, sir. Is this good? <laughs> <laughs> Josie Lawrence has just entered the room wearing a denim jacket. It's no, not denim. a corduroy. Green corduroy. Green corduroy jacket. Bummer jacket type yeah. thing. I think it's Gap, I don't know. Anyway. This coat has been all over the world with me because it was one of the coats, uh, along with a padded one, padded cotton one, that went trekking with me uh, in the early 2000s when I wanted there to be a bit more adventure in my life. And um, <clears throat> it's been all across China. It's been in Bomars with the Maasai. It's been on top of Kilimanjaro. It's been to Machu Picchu. It's been to Cuba, and uh, it's not only been a jacket to put on, it's been an extra pillow in the tent. Mm. It's been a little carpet that I laid out when two little kids sort of unzipped my tent one morning in the middle of rural China, these two incredibly beautiful little kids giggling away, 
zipped up the tent and I laid down that coat and gave them a wet wipe each and they washed the face and I washed my face and <laughs> I gave them a comb, they combed their hair and it was one of the best days of, of waking up I've ever had. So this is my really adventurous coat. And so when I put it on, I feel kind of like Laura Croft or something. <laughs> do, you, do you know what I mean? Yeah, and, right, and here we it, go. It literally has been everywhere. It's, there was a, a sort of will-o'-the-wisp type sandstorm uh, when I was walking with the Maasai um, uh, across the plain and we saw it coming to us. And also in the Gobi Desert, there was um, a proper sandstorm come. And both times I took this off and wrapped it around my head. And so with this on my head, I could actually hear the that goes as as you're going through something like that. I've never experienced it. It's quite amazing. But my first day in the Gobi, because that's where the Great War of China starts, my first day in the Gobi, uh, I did something really stupid. I mean, I had this tied around my waist, obviously, because it was hot, or Mm. it was in my backpack and came into its own at night because the desert's really cold at night. The most phenomenal stars, obviously. Yeah. I stupidly set out with... um, my contact lenses in and there is sand in there you can crunch it you can feel it in your mouth you're crunching it it's just in the in the air but you can't really see it unless there's a sandstorm but it's it's there and I remember suddenly my eyes absolutely killing me and they're just full of sand and one of the girls had this amazing gel that you can sort of squeeze into your eye and it collects all the stuff because it's sort of jellified and then you it goes into the corner and you take it out. And, and there's the sand. Yeah. Tiny, tiny particles. So tiny particles. Tiny, yeah. You could crunch them. Yeah. And that, that it just must be in the air because I suppose, you know, it is an area that's just completely sand and, and quite extraordinary. That there was areas, I don't know what the other deserts are like, but there was areas in the Gobi that there was one area that was full of kind of like wild rushes and things and, a, and an enormous hair bounded out, but like a ginormous hair uh, bounded out and ran across and we watched it away. And then the wall there is, it's the beginning of the Silk Route, it's very much on the Mongolian border and, and the wall there is just thin, like almost pieces, huge pieces of sliced cake, layer cake, just uh, straw and sand, straw and sand, all the bricks of have gone and then there are times when you'll see this it's almost like a huge airport runway flat flat sand but either side the wind has obviously created its own tunnel and it's whisked huge areas of sand into almost like um natural sphinxes and they're all the way down this bit of runway and then of course you get areas we camped one night in an area where, as you turned round, you just saw horizon. And that was the night that the stars were in a... I think you ought to take flat earthers there, really, because <laughs> at night you really see the uh, curve of the earth with, with the stars and that. It, it's it's quite amazing. Yeah. Although I, something very painful happened that night because I, I think I had this coat on wrapped around me and me other puffer coat as well and... Um, you put sort of um, insect spray all over because there's uh, sand flies. But what you forget to do is put it on your bum. 
And then, of course, in the middle of the night, you go out for a pee. And, oh, my Lord, they were like... They were like at a banquet on my bum. <laughs> it was a banquet, a bum banquet. Oh, Lord, I could hardly sit down. I thought they'd probably use this as a cushion as well. <laughs> so... So what suddenly drove you into this world of adventure then? Um, I did the, the King and I at, at the Palladium and I, I loved doing it very much. And then after it had finished, I'd also, the year before that, well, two years before that, in 99, at the end of the 90s, I'd lost Dad. Mm. Um, and, um, you know, sometimes... And the 90s had been great for me, you know, done lots of stuff and lots of different stuff, you know, lovely, varied career. But um, I hadn't sort of met a partner or anything, not that, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm very good in my own company. But, you know, sometimes where you just look on your life and think, well, I've got to just have a go at something else. And I didn't know what that something else was. I still wanted to be an actor in that, but I just wanted... To take time out. I guess what I'd never had um, years before that is I'd never had um, what they call a sabbatical. When I went to Dartington College of Arts, there were only two other people that had come straight from school. Everybody mm. else had gone out and had their adventures and that. And I guess I'd never really, although I'd had a very adventurous career and, a, you know, up to that point of, of life, I couldn't complain about at all. I'd never had that the travel thing. Then a, a note came through my door for this woman who was doing this charity trek and was trying to get people that were known to sign up for two-week treks. And by the end of the night of seeing her, I'd signed up for for the full shebang. <laughs> and it was amazing. The, the friends I met on it, a lot of women would join us for two-week treks who had either had breast cancer or some kind of cancer or had lost loved ones. Mm. Um, there was a couple right at the end when it was snowing of a of, um, couple of lovely Liverpudlian widows who'd lost their husbands at the same time. I think they were in their 60s and they climbed up onto this peak with the snow everywhere and one of, just, one of them just opened her arms and said, Can you see where I am, Peter? You know, <laughs> it was just amazing things happened, amazing So could you people. join in for part of it? And yes, it was a breast cancer charity and uh, and you could you could just join it for two weeks. So that's... A, but. but we had to leave halfway through because of SARS. Well, not halfway through, right at the beginning. SARS had hit. Yeah. Uh, but when we could, we came back. And that's why we went to um, Machu Picchu and um, Cuba, as I say, and, and the Masai. And then, and then a couple of years later, because we remained so close with a lot of the ladies, um, we went to um, climb Kilimanjaro. And I did that for a school children with learning disabilities called Sunfield in the Midlands mm. and then always wanted to do another one after that but never really got round to it so this coat is saying look I'm still here mm. and I still fit <laughs> so you're a 61 girl you know got a lot of life in you yet go out and do that next adventure when you can really yeah well we'll put it in the time capsule until you need it until I need it until you need it which hopefully won't be very long. So that's it. Right, so we've got one more thing to put in there. Have a bit of cake. I'm just going to have a bit of brownie. Give you a bit of energy. They're so squidgy, these brownies. I've had this one. Right, are you ready for the thing I want to chuck? I am ready for the thing you want to chuck. <laughs> Let's chuck it. Eric, 
No, it's not Eric. <laughs> <laughs> did you see he looked round then? He did. Me? He went, me? what? What? <laughs> I've done I just played with a bit of wire. i tell you what I would like to put into um, to this time capsule I'll never see again. And this is purely a personal thing. So nobody writing, getting all... Because I know there's that lovely man, Marcus de Soto, who I've worked with. There's, there's people in my family that love it. And I know it also makes the world go round in lots of ways because everybody needs to count. But I want to put in mathematics. <laughs> it's been the bane of your life. The bane. <laughs> the ba- I think I, there is an equivalent, isn't there, to... Um, so you're sort of numerically dyslexic. It feels like I am. Mm. I mean, and I try very hard. I remember it started at primary school. Now, it was already a bit strange for me at primary school because my real name's Wendy. And what I had learned at the age of five or whatever was how to write my name. And above the Wendy house, in, we had a Wendy house in the first year of primary. And it said above the little arch door, Wendy house. But of course, it was only little, so everybody was on a rotor system during playtime. But I would just stroll in there any time I wanted and, and kept getting pulled out. <laughs> but they couldn't try explain to a five-year-old Wendy why yeah. she's not allowed in the Wendy house. Yeah. But anyway, in, later on in, in school, when you know when we got a bit older, we, we would do the mathematics and we'd do the times table. And it would make me go shuddery. Mm. Just just anything to do with it. I can sort of, to this day, I can sort of do something if it's tens or fives, I think. I still have to use my fingers. But I would, uh, you know, they'd go uh, uh, two, two to four. Two, four to da, 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 <laughs> you da, run da, out already. Well, I just mine. Oh. I go, blah, blah, blah. now we do the nine times table, children. Well, nine is nine. 18, is it? And I just sort of moved my mouth up and down and, and just hated it. I didn't know what it was about it. I just, I just, just wanted to, to dance. No, I just, I just wanted to act. Uh, the first impro I ever did was uh, Pied Piper because I had a recorder and, and all my mates were like the mayor of the town and all that and all the lads were raps. And, and um, I, I told them to hide under the desks on their hands and knees and to crawl out after me when I told them to. And that's been my relationship with them as well. So, you know, <laughs> a lot of things happen in primary school. Um, crawl after me. Um, <laughs> when I say. <laughs> when I say, when I toot my horn. Uh, yes, Mistress Chelsea. And so I never liked it. Mathematics was the bane of my life. Yeah. It does give you a sign of... What education was like, though, that they just went, well, just learn it. Just do it, rather than this child's obviously having problems. They they were lovely teachers. There were a lot of us. I don't want to badmouth my teachers, really, Michael. It it wasn't that. It was, I think people have things they like and things they don't like. And I probably hid very well the fact that I didn't like it, you see, Mm. by miming. (laughs) But then when I wrote it down just hopeless and then um because I was I liked acting I remember there was a maths test and uh I got ill 
the night before. <laughs> and then mum realised that uh, that I'd missed the maths test and, mm. and I'd been putting it on. So that was naughty of me. But I thought I'd got out of it. And I went to school the next day and my teacher said, um, right, everybody go out in the playground. Now, apart from you, Wendy, if you go to the hall, there's the desk and your maths test waiting for you. Oh, Lord. I remember it like it was yesterday. This desk and this sort of little blackboard and the test papers. And, oh, bloody hell. It was like looking at dancing twigs <laughs> in the white background. It meant nothing. And then, and, he's, and he was lovely, my teacher, actually. I mean, he said, what are you stuck on? And I went, six, six times table. And he goes, which one? I said, six sixes. And he wrote it on the board and he put six sixes. What do you think there? What do you th-? I said, I don't know. I just don't know. And he went, six sixes at 36. Say it. Six sixes at 36. Six sixes at 36. So that was it. Unbeknownst to me, some of the kids, especially the lads, had been listening in through the windows and that at playtime. And when I went into the playground, old gang of them going, six sixes at 36. Six sixes at 36. So to this day, I know. Six sixes. What six sixes? They're 36. And I remember once having a part-time job at a, at a veg shop and wondering why I was so popular. And I think it's because I just <laughs> hardly charged them any money. You just made up the and price. I didn't stay there long. It was like, man, it was terrible for me. <laughs> uh, so what I do now is, um, with a lot of things, I all my life I've just tried to half things. Do you know what I mean? So I don't overspend or anything. And... There are ways, aren't there? There People taught me a way of doing it on your finger, the times table and that, but it must be another side of your brain. Yeah. In my experience, mathematics is a different world to everybody who approaches it because I've discussed how I do maths. Do you like it? I like maths. I really like maths and I like mental arithmetic, which is a different thing to maths, really. You know, I like adding things up and multiplying things in my head. Mm. I'm not, you know, not some mathematical genius but I like doing it and mm. darts I've always been able to do that taking the numbers away very Good easily because uh, I can sort of see it in my head mm. and I have methods of how numbers how they relate to each other so for example when you say six six is a 36 I immediately think three is half of six and it helps me to remember that you see so the 30 in the three in the six is half of six it's a th- it's a it's a reminder of why it's 36 so those things occur to me yes, all the time. Yes, you but know, you have to know it's 36 before you realise it, it's half of six. Yeah, but, uh, you know, uh, I, like, can also you see, I can like, also see why it's 36, because I, I know that 10 sixes are 60, and half of 60 would be five sixes, which is 30. And if you add another one, it's 36, so that's six sixes. Oh, that's good, yes. So would you be a, You see, if somebody... If I say seven times eight... Mm-hmm. Same what? as eight sevens. <laughs> Well, seven sevens are 49. I know that because you know all the seven sevens are five fives. Seven sevens are 49. I should have taunted you in the playground. Seven, seven, seven sevens are 49. Seven sevens are 49. <laughs> see, I can't see it. So I can't see if it. If you add seven to that, makes 56. Can't see it. You I can't, can't see, see it. it. It's weird. So eight sevens are 56. See, I can't see it. 
Somebody's going to write in and say, you're completely wrong, Mike. (laughs) (laughs) But I think a lot of it is to do with that ability to kind of see things ahead. It's like you see it in films like The Beautiful Mind or something when they're doing all these amazing, I mean, wow, those amazing fractions and divisions and they, you know, what is it? Pi and all that. What is E E equals... Yeah, MC squared. All yeah, and you things. see it on the screen. It comes out in front of their yeah. eyes. You see it. But and you, must be, nephew, do, you must be able to do that with words. You must I can do it with words. Yeah. I can do it with words easily. And I can especially do it, for some reason, and I don't know, with um, with rhymes, which is why I enjoyed doing the, the songs so much. Yes. Your I, ability to improvise a song has always been the most impressive thing. But yeah. I don't know why. Perhaps uh, whoever created us, uh, uh, or in some kind of spiritual realm, uh, uh, <laughs> they said, oh, let's give her a bit more of that one and a bit less of this one. Maybe. Maybe in order to have that extraordinary skill with, <laughs> with rhyming, as you say, yeah. I'm the same way I love rhyming. Oh, I love I rhyming. I rhyme all the time. I rhyme all the time. I sing little songs to myself. But then my grandson, one of my grandsons now, if you say to him, Almost anything, he'll say a rhyme back. So he's developed the same skill. I think you know, I did that as a kid as well. That is great. I think he's got a book called What Does a Bug Sit On or something. Or what a bug sits on a rug. And, and what does a, a cat sit on? Cat sits on the mat. And then it gets into the more and more. Mat. So now you can throw at him almost any animal, you know. And how funny you've just said that. One of the first improvisations I did was with the Rupert Popkin Collective at the Donmar was with was Steve Steen, mm-hmm. uh, where people would put um, paper into a fishbowl. And one of the things, the first one I did with Steve was somebody had written, this is so funny, this is like going back to Mandy, the cat sat on the mat. <laughs> that, well, and we pretended to be like uh, children's presenters but through the sound of our mouths having discussions, it was like, hello, children, where is the cat? The cat is sitting on the mat. Where were you last night? <laughs> uh, and he was saying, you know, you were with her, weren't you? Where is the bird? <laughs> the bird is in the tree. Can you see? Are you fucking... You know, it was, like, it was that, that kind of... And, and you just said that's, that's just reminded me. And that brings back that. that improv from all that time ago. Yeah. Is that amazing? Because if you were asked to, at the end of an evening where you've done improvisation. Can't remember. You say, what was that game? I don't remember any of the things I said. You get a lot of Who's Line people who come up and recite things to you or sing a, sing a song. It was very sweet, actually, once, though, because there's a brilliant um, improvisation um, improviser, sorry, um, called Pippa Evans, and we're in an all-female group together, me and um, Lady Caliad and uh, Ruth Bratt and Pippa Evans. And Pippa and Ruth and that, they were all fans of Whose Line when they were teens, yeah, you know. Yeah, yeah. And so Pippa, because she especially loves improvising and singing, had learned to load of the songs that me and Mike McShane did. Wow. And one night she was on with the players guesting with us and so was Mike and so was me and she said it's so weird being in a dressing room with you two. So we said well we can't remember anything we sang and she said well I'll sing something for you then and we sat down and sort of held hands me and Mike and Pippa sang I think it was the Cat Litter song or something. 
And we couldn't remember it, and she sang it. And she said, well, I never thought I'd do that. Wow, how lovely. Yeah, sweet. And is that Carrie Ed Lloyd as well? And Carrie Ed Lloyd, yeah. Oh, she's fabulous. She's fantastic. Yeah. It's a good, the three wonderful women, yeah. actually. Yeah. We do a show where we just take one word and, and, and run with it. In, um, but we, we always were so busy. So our shows are, are very precious because we only do about four or five a year sometimes, mm. you know. But it's great being with the three of them. Yeah. And they love working with you, apparently, because uh, they get paid twice as much as you and you never... (laughs) (laughs) That's been happening all my life with the players as well. That's why people would get Josie in. She (coughs) she has no idea what we're paying Right. We, well, we've. Uh, what does the box office take ins? The box office take ins with two thousand pounds. So that means there's divided 16, by six. Sixteen pound fifty for you, Jess. <laughs> Woo! Thank you. And you go hang on a minute. No, six six is a thirty six. <laughs> I know that. <laughs> oh, brilliant. Oh, okay, no. well, I'm going to banish. I'm going to banish mathematics. Hooray! It's gone. I'm brilliant. Well, so there we are. We've done it. Fantastic. We've done it. What Lovely things. What a fantastic time I've had. Eating cake, playing with echo mics, and being entertained by Eric. It's been really fantastic. Thanks, Josie. Thank you. Here we go. Thank you very much, Michael. Uh, Josie Lawrence has left the building. (laughs) You have been listening to My Time Capsule. With me, Mike Fenton-Stevens, and my wonderful guest, Josie Lawrence. If you've enjoyed it as much as I did, then you can subscribe to this podcast for all episodes past and yet to come on Acast or your own favourite podcast provider, where you can also rate us and leave a small review, perhaps. You can follow My Time Capsule on Instagram, Twitter and Facebook. Just search for me or my TC Pod. The theme tune is available in full on Spotify and is by Pass the Peas Music. This was a cast-off production and the producer was John Fenton-Stevens. Right, before we go, I just want to say thank you to the Anagram Hunter on Twitter for pointing out the very interesting anagrams that can be made out of the name Mike Fenton-Stevens and the title My Time Capsule. So, until next time, I'm 17 Fit Monks and you've been listening to... I upset my camel. Bye. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market.